Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast. Coming up on this episode, the Zwift Men's Academy is go, go, go. We've got all the details. Shane, Nathan and myself discuss the implications of the big changes made to the programme. Cavs on Zwift. We talk to his teammate, Steve Cummings, and director sportif, Roger Hammond. And Raymaker on what the world's biggest bike show, Eurobike, may hold in store in the indoor training space. Well, I'm happy to say I'm joined by my fellow Zwiftcasters, Le Grimpeur, that is Nathan Guerra. Yo, dude. Hey, how's it going, Simon? Uh, very well, thank you. And Le Rouleur. I think you're a ruler, Shane. G'day, mate. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Let's start, chaps, in, uh, to coin a phrase from a rival provider, in a very dark place. Uh, we have to confront it. The next Tour de France is more than 360 days away. I don't know about you, but I'm already suffering from serious withdrawal symptoms. There's a kind of tour-shaped hole in my life. Shane, uh, are you feeling the same or are you less less uh, prone to post-tour blues than me? I definitely have a case of them. Even the rest day the other day, I was lost. Usually during the rest day, we have a, a cycling movie on television in place of that or something. They didn't put anything cycling on. I didn't know what to do. Now I've got another, what, 365 days or 350, whatever it is, of those to go. <laughs> so it's going to be terrible. Um, Nathan, I, I mean, I know the coverage has not been quite as comprehensive in the States and maybe you've not watched as much as, as Shane and I, but will there be a tour shaped hole in your life? I'll see a highlight and I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I wish I could watch the stage, but there's just other, um, there's other priorities. So, you know, it's a, it's a little bit missed, but at the same time, it's filled with other things. It's tough to stay across the whole tour the whole time. But I mean, I noticed what a lot of Zwifters have been doing is, uh, they've had Swift on one screen and, and, the tour on the other and uh, it is one of those events that you can just keep an eye on as long as you're in a position to be able to, to devote full attention for when, when the fireworks have happened Yeah, but I'd have to be a pirate to do that <laughs> Be careful about the P word Nathan, you never know who's listening <laughs> One thing the tour has done, although in very unfortunate circumstances is bring one of the most famous cyclists in the world onto Zwift so uh, a formal Welcome from the Zwift cast. Welcome, Cav, to the Zwift community. Um, and we'll talk about what that means for Zwift in a moment, because I do think it is quite significant. But first, here's one of Cav's teammates, the most excellent Steve Cummings, um, a Zwift veteran on how he thinks Cav may take to the platform. I'm happy to see him on Swift. Uh, you know, I've done it at first, maybe he was a guy like, oh, I don't need Swift, but I'm happy to see him on it because uh, I think... He I think it'd be good, you know, keep him motivated. And for me, if you're not on it now, it's almost like, what are you doing? <laughs> because that's how, that's what I think. That's, it's just a tool, like, I always say it's, it's like the best thing since SRM, really. The best tool since SRM, training tool. That's what I think. Well, if Steve Cummings rates Zwift as highly as the gold standard in power meters, what then does the director sportif of Dimension Data, Roger Hammond, make of the newest recruit to the platform. We've been uh, texting actually since we've been home with the tour about his, his swifting because um, you know he's a very traditional bike rider as well and he, he loves it. He's, he's brilliant actually you know as uh, I, he was my final test. It was like if Cav, if Cav's, is, Cav's a convert then um, then it's everybody in the world is that will be taken on and uh, no he's he, I mean he's using it to, now to rehabilitate but and you do become addicted to the to the so the rides, the competition, the, the ease of use, actually. You can always make an excuse. There's always excuses. Time, kids, work, job. Whereas this is so flexible and, and so engaging, it takes away that excuse. So then there's only one thing at the end is whether you can be bothered or not. Well, that you can never change. But, um, you know, it just, it just made ex accessing the bike and exercise so, so easy and so entertaining or engaging that... Um, 
that uh, yeah, it's, it's, it catches everybody. And yeah, he's definitely a recruit, Mark. <laughs> Shane, Cavs on Zwift, um, how much of a coup is that for the company? Yeah, look, it's good to see Cav on board, just a, another pro using the platform for their riding and training. Um, what I did like to see, though, is the other night he tweeted out that, hey, I'm on Zwift, if anyone's keen, jump on. So he's inviting people to come along and ride with him. Um, and that's brilliant. So that's that gets more eyes on the platform. It gets more subscribers to Zwift. And uh, that's good for business, I guess. Uh, it, do you know what, Shane Miller? I think you're being just a bit on the blasé side about that. <laughs> uh, just another pro on the platform. It's Mark Cavendish, for God's sake, man. Yeah, look, we can't put him in the barriers. So until we can get some steering in and put Kevin to the barriers, I won't be too happy about it. But hey, he can. He's, he's, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was his complete debut, but it was certainly one of his, his first rides was, was the big Australian ride. And that, I mean, there was a real frisson of, uh, of enthusiasm and interest from... from everybody who was on that ride as a result of his presence i mean there is a massive halo effect from people like cav is there not nathan it does mean something doesn't it yeah you get this draw you get this really good draw and and, in the connection though to be able and there is a reality of like it's communication right anything any kind of way that we interact with another person is communication and, and cav is communicating and other people are communicating with him through that avatar being there riding together seeing the power outputs all that so it's just another form of communicating with someone else and being able to directly communicate with mark cavendish is a really cool thing for a lot of people um, Shane, there was a bit of chitter-chatter in some of the groups from some people who said, oh, God, well, I bet he got it free. Um, well, kind of, of course he would have got it free. I mean, Zwift would have been round a calf's house like a rat up a drain pipe, offering him a large screen TV, uh, the trainer of his choice, and, you know, a lifetime free subscription. And kind of why wouldn't you if you were Zwift? Yeah, for sure. It's good business. That's what I said before. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's going to get more eyes on the platform, more people. And everyone benefits from this because more people on the platform means more money for Zwift uh, eventually, um, which means more development, which means people with Android phones might get their Android versions. So, you know, it, it all sort of it all falls out in the end. But more people on board is uh, more people to ride with, too, and more people to beat in the races. <laughs> there, there might be one who doesn't doesn't get beaten, actually. But it depends if he's really trying. Anyway, OK, well, look, the tour is done for another year, but we do have something to get excited about because Swift has leapt into the post-tour vacuum uh, with a really, really, really big announcement. The Zwift Men's Academy is alive. It's open for pre-registration and there's going to be a whole load more detail coming out in the coming days and weeks. But this is what we know. The team partnership will be with Dimension Data, with the charity Quebecer benefiting big time. Zwift are guaranteeing hundreds of Buffalo bikes will get to those who need them as a direct result of this partnership. The winner of the Men's Academy gets a place on the Dimension Data Pro Conti team, not the World Tour team, and the winner will be under 23. So this is a talent trawl for developing riders. And whilst it is still a talent trawl, this time it's designed to be much more than that. The Academy is going to be the centrepiece of a global online training community open to all. Well, the three of us will analyse this shortly and there's a lot to talk about. But first, during the second rest day at the tour, I was lucky enough to spend some time with the team and I caught up with Dimension Data Principal Doug Ryder. Doug, how much persuasion did you require to get involved in this initiative with Swift? No, not much at all, actually. I mean, I'm a, you know, I spent 11 years in corporate, five years at IBM, six years at Microsoft. So I love technology anyway. And, um, you know, a team that was based out of South Africa to connect with fans around the world. And when I saw Swift in, it, in its infancy starting out, it, we were, I was immediately attracted to it. So, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was completely a no-brainer for, for me personally. And then, of course, to try and, you know, get the rest of the team involved. That didn't prove too troublesome. The team's director sportif, Roger Hammond, himself a veteran Zwifter, needed little convincing. With Zwift, it, you can get access to every single person now. You know, it really opens that door. So opening up to talent that normally wouldn't have access to professional sport or the next level or where even how to do it. So for me, it's, a, it's an amazing sort of uh, initiative that's, that should have... Uh, 
massive benefits for everybody involved, for the person that comes through the academy and, and for the teams that get access to the, to the huge talents that could be missed. Doug Ryder sees the charitable and sporting roles as a good combination, a mix that's in line with the team's ethos. Which are you more excited about, the effect that this can have on the charity that you're so closely allied to, or the prospect of discovering a really, really exciting new talent? Well, I mean, both, I think. They both complement each other. You know, we're all in when it was when the opportunity presented itself. It was, I was like, please pick our team. It's... You know, we care deeply about this stuff. We do change people's lives and we, and we do want to find, you know, the best talent around the world and, and give them an opportunity to be successful because we've shown that we can do that with our African riders. So, yeah, this is a, this is a fantastic initiative which we'd be proud to be a part of. For Dimension Data rider Steve Cummings, the scheme's an opportunity to go fishing in waters where more traditional cycling nations may not look. Well, yeah, you, get, you hope uh, it's exciting. You hope you're going to get some, like hidden gems, you know, like, uh, yeah, it really is exciting. You're probably accessing parts of the world that perhaps would never get the opportunity or the chance. So um, I'm really interested to see what comes out. And Doug Ryder is at pains to stress that this is no mere publicity stunt. No, look, I think some people will be sceptical to say, will the team follow through or is this just a marketing thing? And with us, it's absolutely not. You know, we've shown that between our development team, our continental team and our Wilter team, we bring riders through every single year. So the platform and the pathway is absolutely there. So that's the first thing. The dream of an individual to get involved in something like that, to try and make it all the way through is absolutely possible if they work hard and they've got the right, you know, character, culture and uh, Disciplined, self-motivated, self-started individuals that believe in themselves. I would, I would hope that more, more teams would get behind this and, and, and really support it. And it's not something that we take lightly. It's something that we will take really, really seriously because, you know, you want to give that individual who's put all hope and passion and and um, and all their opportunity into this thing and give them the best chance of being successful. And I think that's what we really, that's what we're really good at. We have an amazing coaching and high-performance culture. You know, I think we can go all the way with these individuals, which I think is also equally important. I asked Roger Hammond whether he thought this initiative could prove groundbreaking or pioneering in the modernisation of the recruitment techniques that cycling uses. Teams are always in, in, innovative. They're always looking for the next the next thing. I mean, look at look at. I was just standing two minutes before this, looking at the bikes and just thinking, you know, that that chain set. I used that chain set four years ago and it's unrecognisable now. So what have they done? They've been innovating, they've been changing, improving. Every step forward is trying to find that next advantage. And, and this is no different. This is no different. I mean, if you can now choose your riders with you know, through, through an academy like this that have been coming from outside of the sport, it's not just the, the traditional shuffle of riders, you know, it's just finding that talent. And I think that's what we all look for. We're just um, broadening that net. Well, you know, that can only have positive, uh, positive results. OK, fellas, well, let's run this one through the Zwiftcast mill. Um, first, the partnership with Dimension Data. I mean, I think that's a good move, kind of an, an inevitable move in some ways. They're a hugely, hugely popular team. Um, they're already full of Zwifters. They're one of the biggest supporters of World Bicycle Relief and, and Quebecco, a great charity known to Zwifters and, and well-supported. I mean, Shane... It's a great pick, isn't it, Dimension Data? Yeah, for sure. They seem to be leading edge of leading edge of technology um, with what they're doing in the background with all their riders. Um, they're very community connected. Um, yep, yeah, makes sense to me for sure. Do, do you think this looks at the? It looks to be the natural choice, Nathan. Looking at all the other world tour teams. Yeah, it definitely does to me because of the partnerships that are already there. We had the Quebec ride. It's just an obvious fit then if a lot of your team members are already using the platform and promoting it and you have that connection in the background. The relationship with the charity, I mean, I've got a little couple of interview clips later on in the podcast, actually, which make it clear just how deep the relationship with this charity is and and, and, and actually what just what a great charity it is. But anybody who rides a bike can can associate with it. And, and you know, I, I just think it's a really, I think it's a great charity personally, but I think I think it's a great choice. Um, but moving on to the, the athletic side of things, Shane, I mean, we discussed this at length on the last podcast, but, but given the experience that the Women's Academy winner Leia has had, and, and it's not all been bad, but it has definitely, definitely been tough for her. Putting the winner of the Men's Academy into the lower division Pro Conti team and also putting an under-23 limit on it, 
that looks as though somebody at Zwift has thought really hard about how it would be a good idea to tweak this scheme so that the Academy winner... I'm going to choose my words carefully because I don't, I don't want the impression to be gained that, that Leia's had a terrible, terrible year, but she's had a tough year. And I think perhaps the, 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 the way that this Academy winner will work is they'll get more of an ease into a team instead of a crash into a team. Leia going into the pro women's uh, group, that was the deep end. Putting somebody in the men's pro peloton is the deeper end. Not to take anything away from what's been in the past, but it is brutal. It is savage. Um, there's probably many other words I could use what the men's pro peloton would be like. But it also um, makes sense to me in regards to the development or the rider development side of things, the talent ID side of things. Um, and it's an easier way or I guess – how would you put a less risky way of bringing somebody into the team who could really help in the long term as well? Because under 23, looking at a career cyclist um, rather than just either a year or two years, maybe. Uh, no, it makes total sense. And uh, yeah, I agree. I can't wait to see how it unfolds. It was interesting to hear Doug Ryder confront the kind of... Um well, I was going to say elephant in the room. It's not really an elephant in the room because people do talk about it. But anybody sensible does understand that the the academy schemes that Zwift have been running, whilst they do garner publicity, they are not simply a publicity stunt. I mean, they they can't be. There's much more to them than that. For sure. Look, I I think virtual is now the new reality. So what we're seeing is it's just another pathway for them to do talent ID, whether they go to schools or whether they go to the local clubs and say who's winning a lot and looking at local races. This allows them even better access to data and things. It's just the new way. So it's real and it's happening. Yeah. Nathan, it removes barriers or it, it lowers barriers to entry to the sport. And, 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 and the, you know, the Roger Hammond, who has spent a lifetime in cycling, has come up himself as a junior, been, come up through the pro ranks and is now a DS. I mean, that was the thing that was making his <clears throat> eyes shine with enthusiasm was the removal of barriers. Certainly in this country, you know, if you really want to be a serious cyclist, you need probably parents who are cyclists. You need to be plugged into a network. You need an awful lot of parental support. I think the super high accessibility is going to see a whole new influx of individuals we could have never seen. The opening up through uh, the reality of the internet and the reality of these virtual worlds is really uh, making the world flat, making the world connected, making the world smaller for us to be able to identify uh, all of the uh, talent that is out there that was inaccessible to a lot of people. Now all you need is $29 and you know for an internet connection and an okay computer. And next thing you know, you have an opportunity to jump onto a pro team. I guess maybe a little more than Z-Power too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it, it's genuinely exciting when, when, when you think about it in those terms. The Academy, and we don't have a great deal of detail on this yet, but the Academy is going to somehow be the centerpiece of a kind of global online training community so anybody can join in the academy rides even if you're not the guy who is eventually going to win the prize i think Uh, do you think that's 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 gonna work shane i mean it certainly did in the women's one there was a real creation of a community around it yeah for sure and for the exact point you just nailed then uh, my wife veronica took place or took part in all of the training and all the lead-up rides for the zwift academy women's last year and uh, absolutely loved it wasn't going for a spot wasn't trying to make it as a pro but she was just trying to better herself from yesterday so every time she jumped on the bike and got off she was a better rider than previously so that's what it's all about and if they can build on that that is brilliant and that's what it's all about global online training community nathan i would imagine those that combination of words makes you quite excited really oh for sure i mean having all of these individuals join in. And I think there's going to be a whole new level of intrigue as well as motivation for people to get involved because of this. And so on the other hand, there's also the reality of like, is Dimension Data going to be the only ones watching? You know what I mean? Like, good you know, point. like, Very okay, so here's the one who won, but here's two, three, and four, and somebody else is looking in going, hey, like, 
that was pretty interesting and he won that one or that one or whatever it might be. So I think that there's going to be a whole lot of hubbub around it. Actually, it's quite an intriguing point, that one, Nathan. I'd not considered that before. You, you think Team Sky might have spies. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and OK, you know, obviously Dimension Data have kind of got the, the winner stitched up contractually, but Sky might just slide in there with an offer to the guy who came second or third. And it's going to be a nice scheme to be a part of, even if it's in some tiny way because there is this brilliant brilliant charity that is at such at the heart of dimension data's team and having met um some of the dimension data people on the rest day at the tour i i I came away even more convinced than i was before about how deep the relationship is between the team and the charity here's roger hammond again i'd like you to give me a bit of an insight if you would, into how serious the team is about Quebecer. I mean, a lot of teams, a lot of organisations have links with charities and one sometimes suspects it's lip service, perhaps, might be mm. put, putting it a bit strong, but, but the relationship might not be as deep as it could be. This is different, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a, it is a definitely different. I mean, I've, I've worked for teams before that have, that have, have charities as, as, you know, the, as associations or partners or something, but um, no, this, is, this is completely different. Every, every year we, we take the whole team down to South Africa, we, we do a, a bike handover and, and I, I would challenge anybody not to be in, fully engaged with the, the, the charity having done that and uh, just to see those kids when, when the bike is handed over, I mean just on the basics, the first part is just that smile, the smile, the, the excitement, the, you know, the enthusiasm, you're not, you're not giving a child just a meal or a, a jumper. You're giving them a way of life. It was pretty moving. It was quite moving to watch how how the kids just went from being very restricted to to carefree and and able to travel bigger distances, which um, you know is is the backbones of the charity. So yes, we everybody's and then through to you know just the personal touches. At the t- it's so close that you know the the riders here at the tour have been given personalised bags that have been knitted by families that have been on the receiving end so you know it's just constant reminders of of the association with the team and the and the Quebec charity right on okay guys well we have kind of covered this in the in the previous conversation but the thing is you, you could just take part in the academy just to help Quebecer, and that makes everybody feel good, doesn't it, Shane? I've been known not to ride the bike for three or four days because there's no reason to. But if there's a, a better purpose or a different purpose out there than just turning the cranks for yourself, absolutely. It's a great motive uh, to get on there and crank out the more Ks. Earn those XP points to level 25. <laughs> yeah, let's not go into level 25 and beyond, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. We need to start a charity for level 27, 26. <laughs> Bring it on. Where is my where's my goal in game too i don't know man oh, oh i started a fire didn't i, I started a fire there <laughs> right, maybe we could start a self-help group for people who've got beyond level 25 and 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 don't know where they are anymore i mean you know where where is this land beyond level 25 who am i if i am level 25 plus it's uh, uh, john mayfield did say that was you know close to being resolved and um yeah, anyway, let's see. <laughs> okay, still to come, a visit to a DC Rainmaker's Pain Cave for a chat with the great man and a bit of a look forward to your bike. But for the moment, let's turn our attention to training. And Zwift has released a lot more workout sessions recently, actually, and perhaps one of the most eye-catching ones was the four-week FTP Builder. Uh, the brains behind it is the man we've regularly featured here on the Zwiftcast, consultant coach, Kev Poulton. So I caught up with Kev and asked him about this four-week plan. It's a nice, relatively short period, four weeks. You, you, what sort of gains might you expect to see in that? And what do, what do you feel underpins that plan? Yeah, well, I guess it comes back to sound physiological methods, uh, things that have been proven out on the road and things that um, can be replayed indoors and with the same sort of benefit and to begin with starting with accurate thresholds accurate data and really stressing those systems how can you cover the kind of vast array of 
different abilities that, 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 that will come at this plan? Yeah, well, it suits anyone really because it's all relative to your threshold data. So it doesn't matter if you're a beginning cyclist or an experienced cyclist looking just to get that last 10% of fitness, it suits anybody. So that's the beauty of training with power, training with heart rate and training indoors. It's a controlled environment. Anyone can benefit from this type of training plan. I guess you said the right of that is you have to start off from the right place, which is an accurate FTP score. Exactly, yeah. If, if you're guessing from the beginning, <clears throat> then you're not going to benefit as much as it could be from, from the training plan. Four weeks, it's, it's a very seductive period because you can kind of see an end to it. What, what kind of gain might you expect to make in that period? Well, it depends where you start, of course. It depends where you start. It's a very um, open sort of question, that one. Generally, you're going to be looking 10 to 15%. So st- before you start an FTP boost sort of training plan, you would have a good base period behind you. Uh, a good amount of volume and then you're ready to just tweak those last few percent of your threshold and, and really uh, benefit from some hard efforts. And, and what sort of thinking time do coaches put into the development of plans like these? I mean, clearly a lifetime experience, a lot of experience working with pro riders and that kind of thing, but when you sit down to write a plan, what's, what's in your mind? Yeah, I can say it really does take quite a lot of thought and quite a lot of time. Um, and I know myself, I like to a bit of a structure where I write down the ideas for each session, I will then go and build it on Zwift, I'll then go and write it, and as I'm writing it, I will take notes of what comments should be on the screen in front of the writer, uh, and then from that, I'll then go back and edit those comments and, and the program again, and then do it for every session. So to make up a, a four-week plan uh, with a lot of uh, sound thought and techniques in it, it can really take six weeks or so to, to have a good plan built. And, and of course it's underpinned by that fantastic experience that you've got, you, you, you know what works. Yeah, it comes back to um, eliminating guesswork and knowing what is going to produce the desired response. And it does come down to uh, a lot of experience with a range of athletes, again, not just professionals, uh, it can suit anybody. But knowing that if you've got this much time to commit to training, you can get this kind of response from this kind of training plan. If somebody does this training plan, Ken, and it just simply doesn't work for them and they've, they've, they've hit their targets and they feel like they've, they've had high compliance with the plan, but they've not seen any significant gains, I'd guess that suggests that there's something wrong and there's some other area of their cycling or their life that they need to look at. Where, where would people need to look at for thing if training is simply not working for them? Yeah, um, to be honest, I think that would be rare because a good training plan has enough recovery. But the only point that I would raise is that if they were starting the training plan in a fatigue state, not ready to benefit from it. So I'd be making sure or encouraging people to start a training plan such as an FTP booster plan with um, a good amount of freshness in the legs with the right mix of uh, structured workouts and, and adequate recovery, you can't lose. Excellent. Thank you very much. Nathan, it's quite cute, this, I think, because four weeks is a nice chunk of time. Kevin was saying there that if you stick to doing what I tell you to do, you can gain between 10 and 15%. Uh, four weeks, see an end to it, big gains. You like it? Yeah, I like it a lot. I think people a lot of times want to see what they got out of a training plan and four weeks is a perfect amount of time to take a rest afterwards. Uh, and I think his points about having some base in place first and like the explanations that were given about that and how to use this FTP builder was, was really, really good. Do, do I get the sense, Shane, your anti-training plan in general? No, I've always done it myself. I've never really been told what to do. Um, I've always sort of worked out and sort of felt my own way. Uh, so I, I find it's, People, I, I totally appreciate people want guidance and want to be told what to do. Um, I'll tell people where to go usually if they tell me what to do, and I don't think it's the right way. So <laughs> it's a bit of an independence thing there, I guess. And I, I've, um, uh, yeah, that's. I guess that's the 15 years or so in cycling in my legs already there. It's like I know I've got this. I hold my beer. I'll do it myself, uh, sort of thing. But look, people new to the platform, I totally appreciate this. is uh, It's a good guidance system, and you can. If you, if you actually do follow it to the T, you know where the fitness level you're going to get to if you do the right thing every time. But there's a bit of a stress of having to do the right thing every time. Sometimes we like to turn and ride the other way or catch the bunch ride rather than yeah. do our training. It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 
It, well, it's an interesting thought, though, is it? It kind of depends what mood you're in, really, exactly. and what you're training for, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, I I've done training plans before, not many of them, it has to be said, actually, because I pretty rapidly got bored with them. I mean, I also think it depends to an extent on the on, as you just said there, the depth of your knowledge about your your cycling mm. and the depth of the knowledge that you have about your own body and how it reacts to certain things. Um, but there are also periods in your life, Nathan, I think, where if somebody says to you, see that pile of sand in that corner of the room, pick it up, put it in a wheelbarrow and move it to the other corner of the room. And there's something quite nice and kind of mindless and kind of not having to think about doing stuff that is represented in that uh, rather strange analogy I just drew there with training plans but you know as Shane said sometimes you want to be told what to do don't you yeah I think like most of not most of but a lot yeah maybe most of the coaching I've seen out there is uh, people who want to be like, tell me what to do. I, I don't have the time to go out and research all this. I don't have the time mm. to read a bunch of books. And you have the knowledge in, about what's going on with my body. You have experience with this. And let's, you know, tell me how I get this done and what's the fastest way to it. It's an efficient way of, because uh, first of all, the, the the assumption is you don't know where the sand is, you don't know what to put it in, and you don't know what corner to get it to, if we're going to use that analogy, right? <laughs> so, like, you get the coach who's going to tell you, look, here's some glasses. Can you see the sand now? It's right over there. Please put it over and that's here. The best, and, that's, and that's the best wheelbarrow to <laughs> Exactly. You. Like, so I think uh, – I think it's about efficiency. It is also about like not having the stress on you. So the coach then takes on that pressure though, right? So mm. the, the, the pressure is no longer on you to uh, be responsible for what you have to do for training. You can take the emotional, the, the uh, effort that goes into thinking about that. And uh, at that point, when you start going, what's happening? I don't even know why things are happening in my training. You have somebody to question and ask and go, can you please yeah. help inform me about why these things are happening and, and, and uh, get some feedback about that? I mean, it's definitely a popular thing, Shane. You've 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 got to admit it. I mean, if you look at the growth of uh, that site that's come out of Australia, Today's Plan, which is indeed a, a partner with Swift, you know, there's lots. There's a huge demand for people who do want to be told what to do. Yeah, for sure, it does take the stress. I guess being told what to do can be stressful, hitting those targets. But you know, it takes the um, the complexity out of, I guess, what you have to do. So there's a few different ways to look at that. But it really depends on where the athlete or the rider is and what mind space they're in and what goals they have set. If you don't have any goals set, it's very hard to hit targets. But if you have goals to set, yeah. it's very easy to smash those targets out of the ballpark. But also, that's also a bad thing because you need to hit the targets that your coach sets. So you can't go too yeah. far. You can't go yeah, too yeah. far under. Um, yeah, I totally get it. And I appreciate it from Nathan's point of view. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess... Uh, being Mr. Diplomatic here, I could end this conversation by saying it's just nice to have the choice, isn't it? If you mm. want to go for a nice sunny ride around Watopia with a bunch of mates and kill it on the last lap, you can do that. And if you want to sit there and move your pile of sand from one place to another place <laughs> for four weeks at a time and be able to move a bigger pile of sand at the end of that four weeks, then you've got that option as well. Does this so, mean I have to start reviewing it? wheelbarrows on YouTube? Oh gosh! Oh no! Now, now all coaching is simply going to be piles of sand. That's all we do as coaches. Just so everybody knows, we just tell you about piles of sand. The neo barrow has road feel. Actually, you know, the, the the more I think about this, the more I think it's actually quite a good analogy because you can have different piles yep. of sizes of sand, you know, different weights of that you've got to move. From yeah, every coach in the world absolutely loves you right now, Simon. <laughs> if you do it in a truck, it could be like Z sand moving. It's like you know, a little bit elevated power. <laughs> okay, I, I, I really do think we better move on. Um, um, uh, well, as we've just been discussing, I mean, as ordinary mortals generally get on Zwift to get fitter, but, but for the pros, and as we've just seen uh, perfectly demonstrated with our friend Cav, um, they often get onto Zwift as part of rehab after injuries or crashes. Um, here's Steve Cummings with a bit of insight into using Zwift after a crash. 
Um, yeah, so I crashed at the end of March. Had an operation beginning of April, I think. Ten days later, fell again, but I was still using Swift because I didn't realise the damage I'd done. So I went for a checkup, maybe mid-April, I think, and then I had to have that other operation. So it was probably late April by the time I got back going again. No, no I was in a mess. Uh, I was just trying to concentrate on the process of being eating well and the routine of and and yeah, like Swift helped me a lot with that because I honestly look kind of look forward to it. It made me feel good, even if it was only doing 20 minutes, it was better than doing nothing. And slowly, slowly, 20 minutes becomes an hour, and an hour becomes two, two hours twice a day. All of a sudden, it's quite good. You're doing some good training and. Um, at first, I flipped the handlebars upside down. We put two in the shed. We put two uh, hooks and an elastic strap to take the pressure off my all this shoulder. And it was it's just trying to trying to keep me stable because I, obviously I couldn't hang on with this arm. So I was just holding this arm, and then you can run the risk of being twisted. After I don't know, maybe three or four weeks, put the handlebars back down halfway, and then the stem down so and then eventually I was in my position again and still using Swift yeah for um, the stuff like I do on the flat I try and use the Swift for that so it take away the danger or whatever. I, I do think it's hilarious Shane in uh, a modern world when we're talking about a highly sophisticated virtual cycling platform that Steve Cummings used a bit of bungee and some elastic rope to suspend a damaged limb in a kind of semi-comfortable position so he could thrash away on the turbo. I mean, you know, I suppose these guys have got no option. They've got to take the pressure off the damaged bar, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's uh, as an athlete, you just want to keep that b the ball of in the air of fitness, I guess, because we all know if you have one or two or three days off the bike, or if you've got a broken limb of any type or a broken bone, a week off the bike, two weeks off the bike, that's a long time coming back to where you were. So a lot of athletes want to keep or just maintain their fitness in any way they can. So I've been known to tie myself up to the um, cupboard behind me and just to prop myself up. I've had four collarbone breaks over the time. So uh, yeah, any way possible to keep that fitness there. And it's a very, very efficient way just to maintain fitness too so no surprises there but um pretty funny to see the pictures that you know, some of those athletes put up about how they're uh, getting along with their injury and indoors we saw the um the stepladder with maddie Heyman, and uh that, that, that seemed to work quite well shane do you want to just talk to us a little bit more about tying yourself to a wardrobe please <laughs> Well, I was going to say I'm a big fan of NXS, but I won't go there. It's a bit inappropriate. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, because you'd sort of twist it. If you're hanging onto the handlebars just one way, you twist yourself. And if you're out of alignment, that's all bad. Symmetry is a big thing that I work on um, and being proficient of, you know, 50-50 on leg balance. And you've just got to be symmetrical as much as you can. And if you're twisted in any way, things it just, this whole system goes out. So it's about propping yourself up in the right way and uh, keeping that cardio fitness there and a bit of strength work if you can. That's what I've been known to do in the past. Nathan, would you like to give us um, your thoughts on uh, how you've managed to maintain symmetry in, uh, in unconventional manners whilst recovering from injury? Uh, have you tied yourself to any wardrobes recently? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I did have a broken collarbone and rode a lot of Zwift during that time. I found that hardened up buttercup. I don't know. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> I, mountain bikers are more upright. Mountain bikers are more upright than bike. I am more upright. I am more upright. I actually, I almost enjoy the fact that uh, my bars are directly underneath the desk that we've built into a wall here and I sit more upright actually I get that comment all the time actually out on the road bike like dude you are really upright I'm like yeah hold my wheel dude it's a better draft okay see you later <laughs> <So>. <laughs> can you hang on on this upright mountain biker that's my question at that point but um, no I've never tied myself in any way to the bike that I can remember. Maybe I need to think about that, actually. No, no, no tying myself to the bike or, or any kind of wardrobe manipulation in that fashion. Wasn't yeah, there a team yeah. time trial team years ago in the Tour de France or something? Was it a Russian team that tie themselves to the top tubes so they could actually push down harder on the pedals? I'll oh, have really? to Google search. I'll have to Google search for a video, a, a photo on that, and I'll put up on the Zwiftcast listeners' Facebook page if I can find it. But there's been a few things like that because it makes sense. You can only push up as, as much as the weight is pushing down. So I'll do uh, that's my homework. I'll uh, I'll be going on the on the case. I, I, I just want to see that picture of Shane Miller in a wardrobe and uh, and a rope. It's it's uh, <laughs> or maybe I don't because I could never unsee it. 
Uh, yeah, anyway, okay. All very interesting fellows, very interesting. Um, anyway, okay, so I, I was lucky enough to find myself in Paris uh, a couple of days ago, so obviously one of the first calls, I'm, well, in fact, the first call I made was to DC Rainmaker because the City of Light is home to his pain cave, possibly the most desirable pain cave in the world, given of how, how much technology is crammed into it um and ray was super hospitable and uh, invited me to his pen cave and we talked a little bit about what we might expect to see at eurobike um ray i bet everybody says this but it's not as big as it looks on tape <laughs> that's exactly what they say it's it's definitely smaller than it looks uh, when i first we first moved the space it seemed like it would be a, a great large space and now it's so crowded i mean there's four bikes behind you there there's more upstairs that don't fit there's trainers everywhere surrounding us right now um i could use three or four times this space it's very well organized though there's a, there's a wall over there and there's one two three four five drones hanging up on it that's more drones than a guy needs Ray. it's more drones than you need and there's three upstairs that I was shooting this morning. Ray, uh, you've kind of agreed to guest on our Eurobike episode, which is coming up in a few weeks' time. But what I'd like to do today is do a bit of that thing that we're so very fond of on the Swiftcast, which is speculating. Uh, what do you think in the indoor trainer space, in the kind of space that's going to interest Swifters, what, what, what do you think we may see at Eurobike? Anything big? I think it's going to be a pretty quiet year this year at Eurobike. I think last year we saw it as a massive really busy year with lots and lots of new trainers from all the major companies. I mean, every single company, Tax, Cyclops, uh, Wahoo, Kinetic, everyone had new trainers, not just one trainer, but usually two trainers um, and sometimes more. This year is definitely a breather year. We saw a lot of companies delay their products well into the winter time, Northern Hemisphere anyways, um, and catching up. And so, you know, some companies didn't really catch up in orders until February and March in, in some cases. So I think we're going to see that that'll be this will be a much quieter year. We've had some announcements already. We've had the Elite Doretto or Dorito trip, some of us call it. Um, we've had a new Kicker Snap that was quite released uh, two weeks ago. Uh, but these were, I mean, the, the Elite trainer was definitely and probably will be the trainer to beat this year in terms of that mid-range price point. Whereas the Snap is some minor incremental changes from accuracy and some LED status lights, but kind of uh, not a big deal, essentially. It's just a, a minor thing. And I think we'll see that uh, with whoever has left for the, the summer and just in terms of minor updates and and we may see some kind of experimental things come out you know in, in the Eurobike time frame but I think by and large the trainers that we have today are more or less what we're going to see for the fall. Interesting stuff if we think it might be a kind of breathe year for hardware at Eurobike do you think there may be any surprises on the software front I mean how long can Zwift remain largely unchallenged. I mean, we've seen a kind of rather ropey Chinese copy, but the Road Grand Tours offering looks a lot more interesting. They've released an update to to beta users quite recently. There's a lot more detail in it. Could they be a serious serious challenger to to Zwift, do you think? Do you think we're going to see any of that kind of software action at Eurobike? I think we'll see more of that. You know, I think Road Grand Tours is, is great. They're doing good stuff. I think the challenge that all these companies have now is simply the money behind Zwift. It's just, Zwift has a lot of money to spend and they're spending in a lot of ways that get people engaged and um, interest people. And I think that's something that's really tough to overcome. I think it's something that, um, you know, in those first few months, I think other competitors out there probably had more chance in the first year that Zwift was around. I think now that Zwift has reached this sort of critical mass of speed and the speed they bring new features to market and kind of the coverage around them makes it incredibly difficult uh, to overcome that. And I, I think you see that even in the in the mainstream cycling press now where they're catching on that covering Zwift is something that brings readership, brings views, brings all that kind of stuff to their site. And so when they're balancing covering Zwift in a piece or covering uh, an app that you may have never heard of, it's going to be tough for them to to go away from Zwift. But, you know, like there's this kicker snap box next to us right here. And on the side of it is the Zwift logo. Like, and, you know, they've got the Zwift logo and the Trainer Road logo. And that's now on every trainer box out there from all these companies, whether it be Wahoo or Tax or um, Elite. They know putting that logo there is is critical. And so I don't want to say until your logo is on the box, it doesn't matter. But um, until you get to the point where you're at least in the box, uh, that's going to be a tough sell uh, to be considered the big leagues. 
Okay, well, it'll be great to catch up at Eurobike. I'm now slightly concerned that uh, uh, Ray Maker has said that there may not be much for us to talk about at Eurobike, so we're going to have to find something to talk about, Ray. I think we'll we'll still find some stuff. I think it's uh, it just won't be last year. Last year we could have talked for like the entire day about trainers because there's just so many. I mean, it was we've never seen anything like that before. Um, This year it's definitely uh, people doing just a breather. It's it's holy cow. Last year was too much. We need to save our energy. I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. Thanks very much for this, Ray. Look forward to catching up in Germany in a couple in a few weeks' time. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're listening to the Zwiftcast. If Ray's right, and I suspect he might be, because he very often is, and there's not much action on the trainer scene, what the hell are we going to talk about? There will be things at Eurobike to talk about, for sure. Absolutely. So I think everyone should stand by and be quite excited. Talking about Ray, though, Shane, a really interesting post, and going back to our FTP discussion, um, on uh, a new kind of widget uh, that you can put on your Garmin Garmin computer um, that I don't quite understand how it works. It must be an algorithm of some kind. But um, you have to have a power meter, but it will give you a real-time FTP reading. Um, tell me you understand how it works. I don't think anybody knows how it works, but I did look into that. It, it's <laughs> it's kind of interesting, but yeah, I remember there was a, a big post-war a couple of weeks back on what is FTP, and is it eight minutes or is it 20 minutes, and yeah, how can we shortcut yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that. I think um, the, the this condensed down, it's a two-minute all-out effort will give you a ballpark figure. So we've we've taken the 60-minute test down to the 20-minute, down to the eight, down to the two. And again, I think that last time I went back to let's not do it at all and just guess a number and go with that. I don't know. I don't know how accurate this is. We'll have to get it out there. It's a Connect IQ app, I believe, for the Garmin Edge series units. Um so if people uh, have that, and, and look, when it's out in the field that a lot more people have, have used it, I think we'll get a better feel about how accurate this thing really is. But uh, look, it, it's progressing the technology. If it does work well, great. Um, and as we saw today, Garmin has purchased or acquired Alpha Mantis, the aerodynamic testing company, for a little bit of hardware there as well. So things are moving forward and fast in the tech industry, for sure, when it comes to bikes. Now, Alpha Mantis are a company... Well, I think, well, they have, because there are pictures of it. They've developed basically a kind of probe. It's a bit like the, the a sort of thing that you see on an aircraft. I think it's called a pitot tube or a pitot tube. Um, and it's a kind of probe you stick on the front of your bike. And to put this very, very, very simply indeed, it gives you a real-time reading of how aerodynamic you are. It sounds like that might be something you ought to buy for your bike, uh, Nathan, given your, your, your recent confession of being the most upright cyclist in the world. And you could you could get a lifetime readout of how your coefficient of drag was ruining your life. Oh my goodness. Um, so <laughs> it's definitely, I think, more desirable. I mean, I should be careful here, but then, I mean, it Back to the FTP immediacy reader, they sell muscle shirts and makeup really well for a reason um, <laughs> that you like to see something that makes you feel like you're flexing in the mirror. I mean, I think that's the FTP thing a lot of times. Like, what's your FTP? We've said this before. Yeah. There's, and then people fight about it and all that. But that sounds a little more useful to me yeah. Uh, yeah. because you get a real reading on what is actually going to affect your performance in those moments. So... Um, and I'm definitely not going to try and defend myself on being very unaerodynamic. Now I know how to. Now I've had comments though on the mountain bike during a cross race about getting in the arrow position in a cross race on a mountain bike. So I know how to get arrow though, guys. Okay, so there's no, <laughs> there's no. So I just don't feel the need for it as often as maybe all it is when you're just that strong. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it doesn't matter yeah. on Swift. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, no, that that's very true. I mean, the reason I've always found aero gains somewhat appealing is it's free speed, isn't it? I mean, yes. you don't have to work any harder. You know, you can go faster without having to work harder in training, which I happen to think is an extremely appealing uh, piece of logic. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, now, Nathan, you you spent some time at Long Beach last week. I know you did. Any interesting snippets you can reveal oh my gosh there was so much awesomeness and so much there were there was so much awesomeness there was so much learning and uh wide-eyed like getting like whoa uh revelation about some things but 
I can't really share anything. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what was really cool was to do the I, um, the challenge, the Rafa Rising challenge. I got to do that in the uh, testing room and got to hang out with a lot of the testers and we got to break things. That was fun. Um, a lot of uh, not just like cool little, not little treats, big treats that are on their way to very soon advancements, but also like really cool, like what, is going on with Zwift long-term. So just a lot of cool stuff going on there. I wish I could share more of you guys, but it's just uh, just not possible. I, I know you can't, but uh, I mean, I think the thing that will give people heart and cheer is to hear that you're excited about those things. Um, Shane, you were excited about Perth, uh, where you spent some time, I think mainly because it was warmer. It was. It was beautifully warm over in Perth. The sun was out and uh, we went over there for just over a week uh, to escape the Melbourne winter. Uh, we could watch the Tour de France in a little bit friendlier time zone. It started at 8pm at night and finished at about 11pm at night. Uh, I'm back in Melbourne now where it finishes at about 2am. Uh, but what was really good, I'd spent probably the last half of the last month on Zwift only. I probably did one or two rides outside for the whole month. So I've taken that Zwift fitness that I was working on inside. Like I've, I've just been riding along. I've been riding with mates. I've been doing the hump day ride, no structured training, but just getting my time on the bike indoors. And that just converted straight back to outdoors again. So I was doing 70 Ks a day or so um, and just enjoying being out on the bike um, in nicer weather. And uh, now that was great over in Perth. I really, really loved it. Yeah, yeah, good. Now, well, everybody needs everybody needs a break from winter. That's for sure. It kind of reinvigorates mm-hmm. you. Actually, it it most certainly does. Excellent, boys. Well, that seems to be another podcast complete. Um, I've gone through all the things that are on my list to talk about. Uh, any things that we've missed out, Nathan, Shane, Shane, Shane's got his Shane. He's he's got, <laughs> Shane has almost got his hand up like you would do in class. Can I throw in a tip for everyone on Zwift? So we've been talking about what's coming and what people can do for me here's a new tip for zwift that everyone can enjoy right now the letter g press g when you're just riding along what happens is it pulls up the graphs that you see in workout mode that tracks your heart rate and tracks your power and that 10 minute rolling window can be there for your group rides so you can know in the last 10 minutes have i gone hard have i got something in the tank or how hard was that you know the acceleration that i just did in that race so pressing g brings up those graphs I found it really, really useful. It's such a small little update, but the G key, I love it. Absolutely love it. Excellent. Well, I was going to make a terrible joke about a G spot there, but I won't. I won't bother. <laughs> I, won't, I really won't bother. I won't, <laughs> I won't bother. Now, well, let's talk about wheelbarrows instead. Um, boys, it's been a complete uh, pleasure, as it always is, uh, to talk a load of nonsense about virtual cycling for an hour or two with you. Uh, Thank you very much indeed. Great to talk to you. Thanks, guys. No problem. Thanks a lot, Simon and Shane. The Zwiftcast is proud to be an official community partner of Zwift. So what does that mean to you as a listener? It means that while Zwift provides support for us to try to make the highest quality content we can, they also guarantee our editorial independence, which basically means they don't interfere with what we say or how we say it. Thanks to Zwift for that, and thank you for listening. See you next time.